Nailed it. Nice. I had to switch hands. That was weird. Switch hands? <laughs> Don't you use both of them for clapping? Well, yeah, but... Which one goes for right, up? One right? into the other. So I put my right into my left palm instead of I would usually go left fingers, right palm. You mean you don't move both of them? When I'm I not... clap, I do both hands towards Do you just do palms another. together? Yeah. No, I do like fingers into palms. Yeah, I am I not coordinated enough for two-hand slap. Huh. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Lundholm. Good afternoon, Anne. Good afternoon, Bobby. And in Dallas, Texas, trying her best to keep Link away from Eddie, it's Meredith all the way Mayhan. Good afternoon, Meredith. Hey, Bobby. Thanks, guys, for joining us on a Saturday. I appreciate it. We're recording a little bit earlier for the sake of my crazy schedule this weekend. We're going to do a little bit of LRB business, followed by your week in review, housekeeping, and how you can get involved with our show. Uh, but first, Friday's show, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's our monthly Phyllis fave, this time featuring the nice lady, Christy Wise, and for reasons beyond Mike's control, Jeremy Holmes, uh, <laughs> looking back at the time that... Uh, Jen Andrews just uh, had a little Pinot and then took a walk around Green Lake, but couldn't make it. <laughs> uh, if ever there was a case for the emergency blanket in the trunk, that was it. Absolutely. Uh, really a great one. And uh, Jeremy, just a delight. Do you think he's caught on to the fact that he is officially an occasional co-host yet? Hmm, I don't know. I think he's realizing slowly that he's one of us because he gets outraged about TBTL but can't stop listening. He's very often so it's a process. He's very often the first one of us who listens to the show. It'll be like mm, that's true. Six thirty or seven central time and all of a sudden Jeremy's posting comments about what happened on the show and I'm like, I haven't listened. One of us. One of us. Yep. Yep. So be sure you go listen to that. Uh, reminder, the LRB picnic is Friday, August 18th uh, from 5 to 10 p.m. at Woodland Park near Green Lake. Uh, I will be there. Ladies, you coming? Yes. Yep. Three for three. Guys, come on out. If we can make it, you can. We'd love to see you. This will have all of the fun of a TBTL picnic without the TBTL, which is even better. <laughs> We won't be uh, trying to get the audio to work. Uh, we we probably won't have children screaming into a microphone after singing the songs from Frozen. Uh, but there will be fun. There will be games. Uh, I think this was detailed on the last episode, but the potluck rules are as follows. If your last name starts with A through Z, bring whatever the <laughs> fuck you want. I don't know if Mike is behind that. I think he had something a little bit more complicated in mind. Well, he tried. he's going to have to come up and do something about it if he has a problem with it. <laughs> so there's my ultimatum for Mike. 
Uh, let's do some throw your phone moments, Anne, or did you want to wait? And uh, well, we got some good things now. And then I think you said we're going to pepper in the throw your phone moments like a little spice on this pre-trip week of TBT. I think so. People had a lot to say about this week of shows. So we'll add those in as they come along. But uh, the the first set of feedback was about Friday's show about Dr. Jen, uh, Dr. Jen, about Jen and the <laughs> Pinot drinking and the sleeping. And Heather says this story is hilarious. Uh, my husband and I once had a very similar slow three-hour walk around Green Lake with me stopping at every bench to rest and him just kindly putting up with me. The difference is that I was nine months pregnant with twins and 24 hours later they were born. I think he can be a little patient with her there. I like Heather's just putting this whole story right into perspective. This is like when people call into TVTL with their shame eating story and they're like, I went to McDonald's for the first time in a year and got a moderately sized meal and ate it. She had trouble walking around Green Lake, but had several legitimate reasons because she had two humans inside her right uh also dawn said that she really felt jen's pain during this episode she says i learned the hard way too that drinking alcohol during hot weather just makes me feel so much more hot i i don't do very well in hot weather myself i get overheated easily which is why i could never live in texas like you meredith But, Mm -hmm. um, yes, it's no fun getting sick from the hot weather. No. Yeah. And um, something else that Phyllis and Christy and Jeremy talked about uh, was a little behind the scenes of Phyllis's last appearance on TBTL. And they talked a little bit more about Steve Scher and that horrible bike accident and uh, his injuries and... um, the damage that got done to his nose. And regarding that, Megan uh, sent us a comment that said, thanks for reminding me. I've been holding on to this since the last recap. I agree. Steve almost certainly had a plastic surgeon stitch up his nose. Harborview is the level one trauma center for Washington, Alaska, Idaho, and Montana. This means if you're in a major accident in any of these four states and stable enough to be transported, you'll come to Harborview. So Meredith, you were saying on the last recap that you would bet dollars to donuts that that was a plastic surgeon that stitched him up. And it looks Mm -hmm. like you were correct. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Does that mean you get dollars or donuts? I'll take donuts. All right. We could do both. Even better. Um, in a non-specific feedback, we got a really nice email from Michonne. I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce your name, but I'm looking at it in the French way. It's lovely. And uh, Michonne uh, gave us a little compliment about our lady scientist issue episode, saying how much she liked it. And then she said, I've ordered my RAR shirt and I'm getting out of my comfort zone by having to choose between blue or red. I am a black and white girl. And I realized that we've got this sort of matrix thing going here. People now have to choose the blue pill or the red pill. We've really created (laughs) a dilemma like that. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But I actually, I went back and I peeked at Michonne's order, so I know what color she picked. <laughs> well, if any of you have seen my picture on the Stens page or on our page, I got both. I couldn't decide either. So I got a blue t-shirt and a red sweatshirt and a tote bag, and they're all awesome, and I'm so glad I got them. Yeah, I got to make up my mind about some of this stuff. I'm trying to sit with it. I sit with it. 
until I decide <laughs> what I want. That's fair. Don't wait. Just order both in and then uh, keep the one that you want and give the other one away at the picnic. Oh, that's not a bad idea, Bobby. See? Hmm. Always thinking. And our, our final piece of feedback this week, we got a really nice voicemail from somebody that asked that we not share her name or, or actually play the, the voicemail itself. I'm just going to say it's a she, otherwise I'll get too confused with my pronouns. But she wanted to let us know how she too had a Dr. Jerkington experience with her elderly dog when um, the dog took a, a very bad turn and the substitute vet insisted that it only had arthritis and she was so kind of desperate to keep the dog and keep it with her that she kind of bowed to the pressure. But after a couple of more days, she realized that she just couldn't go with this course of advice anymore. And then she had some nice words about the mobile vet who came out and helped her up with the dog down with a lot of love and compassion. So it was a good ending, but it was, it was so sad, so hard to lose your pet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we thank you very much for that email that was, or that email that was really lovely. Yeah. All right. And like we said, we'll get back to the throw your phone moments as they happen in our upcoming week in review. One more note before we jump into that. Uh, listener Bet has been faithfully continuing to track the Simpsons watch. Uh, however, the actual Simpsons references have waned. I don't know if the guys have just uh, moved on to other interests as they often do. For example, Luke stopped calling everybody bro, which is nice. <laughs> These things come Goodness. and go. Uh, I uh, Bet, I haven't told you this yet, but I'll tell you right across the airwaves in front of everyone. We can probably slide this one uh, to the back burner for a little while uh, unless things really pick up. Because uh, I feel honored, also a little bad, that you kindly track this for us in a spreadsheet every week <laughs> and there's been a lot of non-applicable days lately so i'll say don't worry about it too much we'll work them in as they come but um we appreciate the effort now if anybody else notices any trends popping up uh, in these guys uh let me know i pointed out one in the notes that i'll mention later this week that caught me off guard uh but for now and why don't you get us started with our week in review we'll start with monday number 2390 you don't come to Hollywood without an air horn. And this Memorial Day show is sort of a mix of uh, new content and old content and promo content. So I don't think we have to spend too much time on it. But um, they don't have any drops for whatever reason. So Andrew decides he's going to make some up. And thus is born the whoop drop. Uh which he's trying to make the Britney Spears, huh? And I don't understand how he got from huh to voop, but that's I a- cannot believe he's been listening to TVTL this long and did not know what that was. I know. <laughs> and how do you hear voop out of that? <laughs> None of that made any sense to me. No, it really, it did not. But um, that did not stop them from um, continually bringing it up for the rest of the week. It's starting to kind of get well, funny. Andrew well, brought yes. it up. That's true. But this leads to them deciding to autoplay drops for exactly one minute. (laughs) Drop roulette. It was great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt like the drops were kind of short, though. It was a whole bunch of just ones that were a couple of seconds. It was none of the the longer, more involved drops. Maybe he's got them organized by length because the huh drop is clearly... (laughs) 
very short too. I I was trying to track it. I was trying to see if it was maybe alphabetic, like I was guessing what the title might have been, but I don't know. That's that's a a foolish attempt of mine. Uh, so with that, they go to this uh, piece that Andrew produced quite a while ago, whatever five or six or eight years ago when he was. Uh, first in Seattle and underemployed. That, and it was a really nice piece, I thought. Uh, Well-produced and interesting subject that he did with his friend Beverly Wong, a Canadian who moved to Australia and experienced uh, Australian racism uh, as told through her visit to a German restaurant, and which uh, boils down to the, the uh, entertainer, the stage show, person singling her out and making some really stereotypical and offensive uh, Asian comments and singing quote-unquote Asian songs. And so she decided not to let it go and just mentioned him afterwards that she felt like it went from having fun to making fun of her, which I thought was a great sort of non-aggressive way to put it. And he got super defensive and... um, they talked about how, or she talked about it, how in Australia that this stuff is just considered to be, it's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? What's wrong with you, oversensitive you mean snowflake? the part where he took a cymbal off the drum set and wore it like a hat? Oh, God. <laughs> it's just a joke. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. This is like, I, I cringe every time I watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, yeah, that was Mickey Rooney, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. It's that level of, but it's just a joke. Yeah. Well, I do think that sometimes we can be oversensitive as people, but uh, I think the time for those kinds of kinds of jokes has passed, I guess. Yeah. If you examine why, why that guy thinks it's funny, it's rooted in ugly stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's a like a you know evergreen funny topic. Yep. And I'm not exactly sure why Andrew decided that he wanted to share this other than that he's sharing some other audio that I'll talk about in a minute and also because Beverly is starting a podcast that's about racism. I went and well, it's about racism in Australia specifically. I looked it up. It's called It's Not a Race, and I think I might might listen to it. I might like to get a perspective on that in another country. That looks looks mm-hmm. very interesting. So then they play a clip from the brand new Minnesota Public Radio News podcast, 74 Seconds, which is about the Philando Castile shooting here in the Twin Cities. And uh, I had already listened to all the available uh all the available episodes they've had a couple more come out since then have you guys listened to that at all no not yet not yet no well it's it's a good well it's an excellent piece just hard to listen to of course because of the awfulness of what happened but um Mm -hmm. i was especially interested in it because uh this shooting happened less than two miles from my parents house it's in my neighborhood. It was on a street that I have walked and cycled and driven down literally a thousand times since I was 12 years old. And uh, they talk in the in the show about the, the intersection where it happened and that there's an apartment building on the corner there. And my friend Amanda lives in that apartment building. And we used to 
work together at the second job and she doesn't have a car. So when we would do offsite training, I would swing by and pick her up and take her with me. So uh, I don't want to be the white woman who's like, it's all about me because it's not all about me. And I hope that I would be just as compassionate about all the other horrible things that have happened to all the other African-American men of the Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, all of that. But boy, does this really, really drive this all home for me. But it's a great piece. It's really nuanced. And I uh, encourage people to uh, take a listen. 74 seconds. The the, um, episodes are each pretty short. They're like 20 minutes a piece. So it's not a huge time commitment. And they're going to follow with updates throughout the whole trial, which just they started selecting the jury this week. So it's going to be very interesting. I have one related note that this made me think of, which is that last week while you guys were doing the recap and I was off in the woods of New Hampshire camping, I did something that I've been meaning to do for a couple of months is that I finally sat down and read the second half of Chris Hayes' book, A Colony in a Nation. And it is extremely apropos to this story and what this podcast is going to be covering. And um, I know when it first came out, we were like, oh, everybody go read it because it's Chris's latest book and we want to support a 10 and I'm sure it's really good. But now I'm telling you, if you haven't read it yet or ordered it yet, it is extremely insightful. Um, and I'm, I feel better that I read it. And I think it's made me more aware of the way I read and process these kinds of news stories. So in a very sincere uh, endorsement, I would say go get Chris's book. And in a slightly less sincere endorsement, I would say do it through the LRB Amazon. <laughs> there we go. No, that's sincere. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something less sad and depressing. And the rest of the show is pretty much a rerun from July 31st of 2015, where Luke was out on the quote unquote small boat nearly getting swamped by the wake from other boats on Lake Washington uh, to watch the Blue Angels. And Andrew inexplicably felt that he needed to get out too, so he went and parked the sign at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we have already recapped this episode on this show, Low Those Many years ago, so we don't have to go over it in detail, but I just wrote down a couple of of quick notes that uh, I remembered that were interesting. Uh, Number one, that Luke has no boat license and asks if Andrew thinks this is something that he should have. Yep. I I noted that I think he said at one point that's something that he would get on, and it's two years later, (laughs) and I'm sure he still doesn't have a boat license. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, Andrew is crabby because Genevieve, he says, is quote-unquote forcing him to go out for the third night in a row. I can totally understand why that would make him crabby. Um, And he acknowledges a pair of Tonight shorts that he received from the Little Red Bandwagon. But then he proceeds to (laughs) crush Mike by saying he's not going to use them as Tonight shorts. He's just going to wear them to the gym instead. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they talk about Luke's problems communicating with Walter and Susie about coming out on the boat and calling him and calling her and calling everybody and them not getting it. And he t- says for the first time that he started listening to the Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast. And we all know that he would go on to actually be on that. And they end this 
uh, episode talking about space and if you would go in space and would it be worse to die in space or die underwater, which is a fate that I, I would not choose either of those, frankly. And then they come back for a short exit to the present day and Luke insists, although he says it was a joke, I'm sure it was serious that he wants to go out with summer girls from LFO. And Andrew's like, what's that? I don't know that song, which I call bullshit on that because mm-hmm. everybody knows that song. Yeah. My only complaint with that is that of songs of that era, and I believe we established this last year when Stu came on for our Summer Jams LRB episode, the superior three-letter band name starting with L, Summer Song, is Lens. Uh, uh, steal my sunshine. It has to be. Oh, of yeah, course, definitely. I mean, Summer Girls is a terrible song. It is objectively <laughs> bad, and and that Len song I can actually listen to and enjoy, like maybe once a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we inevitably rerun the LRB Summer Jams episode, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and remember. Guys, if you like Summer Girls, that's okay. As Mike said last week, you're allowed to like dumb stuff. Doesn't mean that you're dumb. (laughs) Summer Girls is just a dumb song. Yep. And with that, we'll go to Tuesday, 2391. Nothing Smurf can Smurf. An episode that starts with uh, Luke and Andrew talking about things they can write off on their taxes because they're in the business they're in including things like Netflix subscriptions and magazine subscriptions and things like that. And this is because the best version of a full house drop that Luke wants to use sounds like garbage because it's a YouTube video of somebody pointing their phone at a TV. And the only better way to harvest that drop would be to use a pay subscription service to find that episode of full house and process it from there to pull the drop, which is way more work than either of them would ever do. But if they did, they could write it off on their taxes. Am I the only one who has a problem with this? It seems mighty shady of them to be writing off Netflix as a part of their job. They occasionally Netflix is insane. They talk about stuff that they watch on Netflix like half a dozen times a year. How can you justify? If they, I don't that? understand why they're. How are they writing off Netflix but not a, you know, Google subscription <laughs> so they don't have to watch YouTube ads? Like why? I don't. <laughs> Uh, I, the only reason I'm going to hold my fire on this is because I have a great accountant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, whatever they want to claw back, they can claw back. And if that's, if APM's cool with it and the government's cool with it, okay, fine. But paying for a Google account would make the show demonstrably better. And it costs, I don't know, $3 a month or something. Come on. (sighs) Come on. Luke is going after this episode to interview Amanda Knox for Livewire because they have found out that Amanda Knox is a fan of Livewire and uh, she was cool to be interviewed for the show, which is atypical for so many reasons. Among others, that's not really the standard format for Livewire. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's it. He says that that's happening and then reminds people a little bit who Amanda Knox is. I don't think that's necessary. Uh, and then it just doesn't come up again. So that's weird. And it must be for next season because, as we know, their current season ended this week. 
I, I yeah. guess. So they're going to record an interview and then they're just going to play it at the show? I guess so. Weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is weird. And it's such a touchy subject, too. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Uh, in lighter Luke news, he's been comparing pictures of himself from this year to last year, or perhaps just looking at himself compared to pictures of last year in the pool. And he's convinced that either he needs to get on his grind because he's looking uh, uh, less lean than he was last year, or that Carrie is gaslighting him by uh, making the pool smaller. <laughs> I really hope she's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just pushing in the walls of the pool one inch every week. (laughs) Until one day he's just in a bathtub. (laughs) Uh, The guys announced the itinerary for the RV trip next week. They're going to start in Boise in a TENS driveway. Uh, That's going to be their first overnight. Then Vegas, then Albuquerque, then going out of their way to Marfa uh, before arriving in Austin. Oh, they are so in, in for it with Marfa. Yeah. We get an email later in the week about it, but Marfa is no joke. <laughs> the place is scary. The surrounds are scary. It's a, extremely remote, and you're right next to the border, and uh, the the person who emailed was right about the cell service. So hopefully they don't get into any jams because they are going to be on their own. It's not like you know anything about getting in jams trying to go to Marfa. <laughs> Boy, I should write them an email, but they'd never read it, so... <laughs> Uh, Luke has decided that he's going to go for a run every morning, and this is the beginning of him trying to start a new Facebook account so that he can interact with other tens who want to get uh, on their eagle soaring next week. Uh, the first of a, multiple times that he tries to register the Facebook username Eagle Soar and get it in the Stens group, uh, which will not work because Mark Zuckerberg's not going to let it happen. <laughs> He's pretty pissed at Luke. Yeah. Uh, what are, maybe he and Twitter are taking uh, alliances in their war against Luke Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to be fair, I'm one of the admins on the Stens page. I don't flex my authority very often because uh, I was really only there so I could get LRB posts up faster. And um, the only time I ever approve posts or member things is if it's Luke or Andrew or Phyllis or something. I figure they're whitelisted. So they should go up as quickly as possible. And I saw the Eagle Soar account try to join the Stens page, and I couldn't decide the first time I saw it happen if it was Luke or if it was someone trying to make a spoof pretending to be Luke, and there was no way to authenticate that either way, so I dragged my feet, and then I guess by the time it got approved the first time it was canceled. The second time I saw Eagle Soar come through, I tried to approve it quickly, but then Facebook was on it faster, I think. So uh, they're on to him. In addition to running every morning, uh, as I believe you wrote in your notes, the RV will be stocked with cured meats. Andrew is stocking up on Little Smokies. Gross. (laughs) I mean, no wonder they have to use the term fart locker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is not going to be good, guys. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, Andrew, in the spirit of Mike Pesco's packing uh, style, is going to bring towels he can use every day and then just throw away when he's done with them. 
Well, that's not a bad. That's not a bad plan. I mean, if he's get rid of him anyway, if he's got him, yeah. Uh, and Luke is going to buy uh, several of the same pairs of shorts and shirts that he can wear, so that he'll basically have a uniform for the week. Uh, which I believe Andrew was the one who said was like his Smurf uniform. You open his closet and it's just all the same clothes. That seems like a weird plan. I, I always think about Inspector Gadget. If you walked and in- watched Inspector Gadget, he would open a closet and it would be those gray trench coats hanging oh, yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but why does he need a uniform? I mean, doesn't he just have clothes he can... Is this just an excuse to go shopping or what? I mean, what's his rationale because i'm not sure he ever really explained it but shopping for five identical outfits well Seems... we do know that's his mo yeah. i i assume that maybe maybe he's looking at them as being semi-disposable like if if they get really gross i don't know or maybe he just doesn't have to think about it then you know oh, yeah. maybe that's just a mental burden he doesn't want to have to deal with and comfort. He's going to find one outfit that's going to be comfortable and who knows he'll be comfortable all week. Mm-hmm. And they're going to match his Crocs. Well. <laughs> uh, speaking of disgusting things, they eat some toasted kale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I agree that it is just a, it's a salt delivery system. And it's not a bad one if you have a hankering for, like, potato chips, but you're trying to low-carb it. It's not the worst thing in the world. I've made kale chips before. So have I, but only once because it wasn't worth doing again. And I think you got the quote that really encapsulated this. Yes, they're munching on it. And Luke actually says in a ringing endorsement, it's not the worst, right? (laughs) And Andrew's like, it's not the worst. And then they agree that there's an aftertaste issue that's not great. Yeah, because it's a leaf. Oh, let that be a an iTunes review for our show. <laughs> it's not the worst, right? Uh, top story. Um, the winner of the latest Indianapolis 500 was a Japanese driver, uh, which apparently angered racists, including a reporter for the Denver Post. Good wow. Lord. Uh, and he was fired for his uh, racism. Uh, that I, I don't want to come off as... Um, callous but my thought when i heard this story was the japanese have been making better cars than us for decades it's only a matter of time before they make a better driver no mm-hmm. kidding yeah uh jagged little pill the alanis morissette uh album is being turned into a musical at the american repertory theater in my nearby cambridge massachusetts next year uh which sends the guys down a rabbit hole of talking about the lyrics from you ought to know and whether or not it's about giving Dave Coulier head in a movie theater. It's definitely about giving someone head in a movie theater, but is it yeah. Dave Coulier from Full House? I've always pictured it was. I hope it was. You've pictured it? Oh my God, Meredith. <laughs> well, how is that? All right. Well, never mind. I That album is, <laughs> that album was important to me when I was, I don't know, 15. Um, and, the ones that were on the radio, I think, are the three least interesting songs on that album. I don't know if I'd want to see this in musical form, but I need to endorse this album as a genuinely good piece of music. I think uh, that's fair. And yeah. I think even the the pop hits are incredibly iconic, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I um, would say that my reaction to this whole discussion is that I do not care about Dave Coulier. I do not care uh, if it's about Dave Coulier. I do 
do not care if it's not about Dave Coulier. I do not care about his impressions. I do not care. I did not care in 1995. I did not care in 2005. I did not care in 2015. And I don't care now. I don't. I think the reason I think it's funny to imagine that it's him is because she's so much more interesting than he is. <laughs> I don't think he's very funny. <laughs> and what? I do think she's a good musician. Did you not hear that Bullwinkle impression? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was pretty fantastic. You're right. <laughs> you both have very strong opinions. <laughs> Meredith, very pro Alanis and very anti Dave Cooley, or at least indifferent to Dave Cooley. <laughs> I yeah. just don't know why anybody cares. He was on the Full House reboot for the record. I did watch some of those episodes, and they were all bad, mm-hmm. as you would imagine. Uh, I'm sure I did not. This is the second, um, well, this is a full house heavy episode, I guess, between the drops at the top and then Dave Coulier here and then more Dave Coulier clips later. But I think we've discussed Dave Coulier enough. Uh, I had a trivia question about Dave Coulier last week, and you should see how many different ways teams will spell Coulier. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) I thought you were close to Canada. Apparently not close enough. I actually <laughs> said after, guys, it's French. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Uh, tangents here include uh, the fact that the Sarah Palin quote, I can see Russia from my house, is not a Sarah Palin quote, but actually a Saturday Night Live quote and how that happens sometimes. Yeah. And then uh, email from Stuart in Somerville, speaking of being close to Canada or nearby Somerville, Massachusetts, uh, defends putting glasses on the brim of his cap like ball players do because that's a place to keep them where they're not going to fall off or disappear if you're not wearing them. Luke admits to running his through the top button of his shirt like the guy who's interested in your mom. <laughs> I don't get why he has such strong feelings about where sunglasses go. I I'd, I'd never really thought about it or that it could be considered a stupid thing to do to hook them on your shirt. Cause I do that sometimes I put them on my head sometimes, but mm-hmm. the universal with both of those options is if I move the wrong way, they fall and f- get scratched. Right. Uh, I think this started as an argument about putting them upside down because then the ear clip, the uh, isn't going over your ear anymore. Yeah. But Stuart in Somerville is not arguing for the real egregious part, which is the people who put them backwards on backwards. the back, the of, back their of their head, neck. like yep. Guy Fieri. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which is just wrong. And I don't, I don't think anyone's going to... How do they not fall off like that? Just they're clinging uh, to that meaty neck. <laughs> you have to have a lot of neck meat. <laughs> uh, somebody posted a picture, actually, of uh, <laughs> of Guy Fieri... Uh, standing with Tom Brady and it's a whole Boston picture and the local Boston uh, website. And I say that that way intentionally, boston.com. The Boston Globe has apparently co-opted Boston somehow. No. And we may need to sue them over it. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Uh, Also, in this part of the show, Luke drops a cash me outside. I heard that. Maybe Simpsons references are being uh, dropped in favor of weird memes from Dr. Phil. (laughs) Uh, And Andrew Simpsons reference, he goes, there's a new Mexico, which is totally a Homer Simpson quote. 
get a voicemail from Kevin in Indiana, uh, whose dog shit, and he had to run down the street to grab a bag. And when he comes back, the neighbor's gone, and he looks like a monster who doesn't clean up after his dog. Uh, I have had this happen to me more than once. And um, Luke admits that he uh, will fake it if he doesn't have a bag. Yeah. And then he says he'll come back later. I don't know if I buy it. I have done this, uh, and I learned my lesson one time when I came back for a bag and I couldn't find it. Um, and then I was just searching forever and ever, and eventually I gave up, and I felt terrible. I really tried to go and pick it up, but I could—I didn't remember where it was. So the, the, my move is to make a pile of like leaves or sticks over it to, number one, make it look like I'm doing something, and number two, allow me to locate it when I do come back with a bag. Uh, I think when you're when you're camping and hiking, I, th- I think it's the term. I think you make a Karen, which is when you make a pile of rocks that point mm-hmm. in a certain direction to let people who are behind you know where you went. And I'm just envisioning you using all of your um, camping survivalist skills to redirect you back to the dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's all they're useful for these days. I'm never going camping again. All of your woodscraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a quick discussion about bringing your own bags to the self-checkout and how does the self-checkout know? And I sort of checked out for all of that conversation. But Luke mentions that if you have a prairie dress and can knock a can of corn into it, you can be a baseball player. <laughs> it's the origin of the term can of corn. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah, Tuesday sort of uh, whimpered out at the end there. Can I mention one other thing before we move on? Because I'm curious what you guys think. Is that Andrew mentioned that he's going to bring his passport on the road trip? Is this oh, this is a great way for him to lose his passport? Okay, that's what Again. I thought. Uh, I'll I'll argue the con on this or the other side of this. When I travel, I often do also bring my passport because I put my passport in my suitcase and my license is in my wallet, and so that if I lose one, I have the other. But I put my my passport in an interior pocket of my suitcase, and I know it's there, and I don't take it out unless I need it. Oh, I, I do the same thing, but, but oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I do travel with it often, but it's yeah, it's for the same reason to have another form of ID, a backup, and I'm also uh, not the type to to lose things or drop things behind dressers and then have to fly uh, drive across the entire country. <laughs> right, but and they're not flying. For this trip so they're not going to be separated from their luggage right? that's also a good point they're not at any point going through a place where they should need a federal id um well they are going to marfa and if we know these guys something is going to go terribly wrong and they're going to find themselves <laughs> wading across to the border of mexico on accident so they are, maybe they should have their passports all right i'm convinced texas and trump's america they may need their papers checked that's, that's right a good point all right, Wednesday, 2392 Eagle Soar Fall Hard. Um, they opened the show with a spoof about how Andrew was tragically hooked on phonics as a kid. Uh, it was pretty funny. Luke is uh, remodeling the bathroom, and it sounds like they are actually sawing tile, and we can hear their construction noise for once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty well, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a forward promo for... Um, both Olive and Rudy's near-death experiences. I cannot believe. <laughs> well, yes, I can, because these are the misadventures of being an animal of whom Luke is in charge, I suppose. You know, this is, <laughs> we're just going to keep getting these stories. 
And this we is, did get. This is the time for. I, I think you're about to say the same thing I'm about to yeah, say. Yeah, go for it. We've got a little feedback here, uh, and I think it succinctly explains the issue that we have. This is from our colleague from the 1077 Network, Amy, who says simply, When the F will they keep the damn cat inside? Mm hmm. More on that. That's exactly. Hey, at least she's wearing a bell now. <laughs> True. Baby steps. <laughs> thought you were talking about Amy for a second. <laughs> Amy, ca- Amy can't kill any more birds. <laughs> um, okay. So again, Luke is still trying to start a new Facebook account um, and is being uh, thwarted again by Mark Zuckerberg. Clearly they know that's not his real name. They don't really allow people to use non-real names, and that's obviously not a real name. Um, Bob Stein had to change his back from grumpy old liberal, right, to Bob Stein recently. He kept that longer than I thought they were going to let him. It's because he slipped a convenient hyphen in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Luke's not so clever, so they're not going to let him do that. And he also said that his computer isn't letting him, it wants him to log in as Luke Burbank. And my thought was, like, I know he uses Macs, and you can sign into a Facebook account globally on your computer, same with Twitter, so that you can comment with your Facebook page on other sites and things like that. You don't have to keep logging in. And I bet anything that he just hasn't signed out of that as Luke Burbank. So it's trying to make his life easier by just reactivating his old account, and he doesn't understand how it's working. Somebody just needs to teach Luke about incognito windows. This would also solve the the cookie ad issues that he's been having. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I want to talk a little bit about how we feel that he's trying to do this in the first place. Because on the one hand, I know a lot of people would be excited to be able to track their workouts with Luke and everybody posts pictures and it's so fun. But for me, it seems like this is a very selfish move on his part because he's so vain and so self-conscious about his body that it's like, he's trying to use the tens as an accountability measure for himself. This really, he's couching it as this fun thing we can all do together, but this is 100% about Luke and it just sort of sits weird with me. Well, and he's going to do this, and then he's going to delete his account afterwards. Right. Right? Like, he doesn't want to hang out with us online. He wants us to guilt him into running more. And then, once he's done, bye. Yeah. Exactly. I have just your so vain running through my head now. I bet you think this Facebook group is about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the problem is that it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Sort of. It's mainly about the debris from all the phones. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, The dazzling donor for today is Justin Taylor, who who gave it a very generous level, but did not include a message for them to read. So they do a little research and they found a recipe that he posted in the Stens page a couple years ago uh, for some sort of casserole that uses russet Burbank potatoes. And that takes us on a little side trip about the history of the Burbank potato, which was cultivated by a distant relative of Luke's, Luther Burbank. Um, Yeah. And he was actually born in... Yeah, he was. He did a. He's made a ton of 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 plants, um, flowers, and and vegetables and fruits that we would all be uh, familiar with now. And I I learned that he was born in um, Massachusetts in Lancaster. Is that a yeah the right way to say it? Yeah. Uh, work. And then he moved to he moved to California to do all his propagating. Kind of interesting guy. Um, Luke says that he thought Michael Pollan may have written 
about this potato and said it was the bad kind of potato to eat. Um, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of what a Mike, Michael Pollan says, actually. I don't I think don't there's either. a bad potato. Um, but this means, this leads Luke to say that he's always finding out that he's doing stuff wrong, including mowing his lawn. And he says kind of without evidence that you're not supposed to mow your lawn. <laughs> And I kind of get what he was going for. It's like biodiversity and and greater uh, habitat and things like that. But also, you you'll get fined by the city if you don't mow your lawn. So. Correct. <laughs> kind of in a catch twenty two here. And Bobby, you are uh, you're having problems with mowing your lawn these days too, huh? Yeah. So I mowed my lawn right before we started this episode, and as I was putting the lawnmower away in the shed, I did a nice job of my hand sliding off the plastic casing and burning burning my left middle finger pad Ugh. on the chassis of the engine and it's a nice nice already blistering burn and so if i seem like i'm working a little slower than normal over here it's not just because i am uh <laughs> but it's because my my left middle finger is currently in a pint glass of water when i'm not using <laughs> it <laughs> uh lukewarm water to try to prevent it from hurting like a motherfucker and blistering worse. Those are the worst. <laughs> well, and you were saying you recently sustained a similar uh, stupidity yeah. burn injury. So I burnt my uh, index finger, my uh, first knuckle of my left index finger on a curling iron because I tried one of those curling irons that doesn't have a clamp because those are like, I don't know, my hairdresser was like, this is the better way to do it. But I didn't use the protective glove that it gives you because you have to hold the hair on there yourself with your hand because there's no clamp uh and i i really gave myself a pretty serious burn that had a blister and it's been about two weeks and it's just starting to heal now and it was one of those burns where you have to hold it out of the shower or you just can't take a shower oh, the no. steam hurts it so bad <laughs> yeah i haven't even gotten that far yet we'll see what happens something to look forward to uh but yeah we had to start the show a couple minutes late because we put all of our notes into a google spreadsheet for planning and i can't type at full speed because i use that finger a lot at least mine was on the back of my finger like it was not something i have to use and if i couldn't type well like you know i've I've cut off the tips of my fingers many times over the years and that makes it very very difficult to type so i feel your pain there yeah. Jeez, um, meredith well you know with the mandolin and all that i've done that a few that times that's one of my biggest nightmares with the mandolin i'm so apprehensive because i did once slicing a cucumber take the tip of my finger off a little bit and so now i always use the safety guard and anytime i'm watching you know hobo chopped or anything else right. and i see them i'm gonna make it a thing guys it's gonna happen i see them like flying through the mandolin Oof, really I fast know. and i'm like ah no oh my god somebody's going and especially with chop because once every couple of episodes somebody does end up gushing blood all over their yes. food Oh, guys, these are rookie mistakes. Use the safety guard. Well, and not to scare you even further, but when I did this last one, I think it was last summer, I did use the safety guard. Um, It slipped a little bit. And so I'm sorry. Don't tell me. I'll never use a mandolin again. (laughs) No, no. Here, I have a solution. So you can actually get a, a glove that protects you from knife cuts. So I still use my mandolin all the time, but I use a, a like a chain link the ch- glove the with chain it. The chainmail glove? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sort of fabric-y. It, it's, it's a little bit cumbersome, but it's way better than going to the urgent care in the middle of cooking dinner. I'm just going to get full knightly armor to make dinner <laughs> in. Fair enough. 
Uh, all right. Moving on to On Our Media, we learned that the Washington Post login of Media Media is no more. <laughs> so everyone who kept that, that little secret uh, is kind of quietly going, hey, what happened to uh-huh. I think it was login? the Wall Street Journal, by the way. Was it the Wall Street Bef- Journal? Before okay. we get sharp shot. All right. Thank you. Um, but the guys uh, go to pains to, to point out that you should support the media that you consume. It's wrong to use these free logins um and luke points out that papers are doing well i don't know if that's right at all i know luke likes to make assertions without evidence but i didn't bother to check i don't know if the regular physical circulation is doing very well no probably not it's probably more online papers are not doing as bad as people would think they are and i've always thought that because if you look closely rich people are still buying newspapers (laughs) And I don't really? mean buying individual newspapers. I mean, they are buying newspaper companies. Um, you know, oh. Warren Buffett would not keep owning newspapers if they didn't consider them profitable. Right. It's not like rich people are buying newspapers because they think it's a good thing that newspapers exist. They don't care. It's about the money. They just want to make money. Yeah. Um, I have an instant pup date here. Eddie just started whining, so I picked him up, and now he's on my lap. So we're doing the show together Aww. now. Aww. Aww. Maybe that'll keep him quiet. I have no faith that it will. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> um, I've got a really busy day tomorrow, so everyone from here on out, if you hear Eddie, it's because I'm not editing it out. <laughs> <laughs> He's licking my chin. Um, Andrew moves on to talk about how his toilet paper and his paper towel are owned by a Koch Brothers subsidiary, uh, and he doesn't know what to do because he has his one grocery store that he goes to that has very few options. Uh, Luke suggests Amazon, not to line Jeff Bezos' pockets even more, but um, you know, I, I agree. It's 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 maybe evil, but it's certainly easy. I have those auto delivered to my house, yep. and it's great. I don't ever have to think about it. We get our toilet paper and our paper towels that way, mm-hmm. and I believe I've told the story on the show before. But when we first started ordering our toilet paper from Amazon, one of the first times we had it delivered. I, it wasn't auto set up yet, and so I ordered it on a Friday, and Amazon, being as industrious as they are, delivered it on a Sunday, but yes. it came by USPS, and so it was like a, a special urgent overnight delivery driver from USPS <laughs> who dropped it off, and he's dropping off this giant box that just says Quilted Northern in giant letters on the side of it. And he's like, this is why I'm working on a Sunday. Yep. <laughs> so... Yeah, this is me doing my part to keep the post office alive, too. We get those, too. And actually, we got one. We got a delivery last night um, at about 930. And I was home alone. And the the ring thing notified me that there was someone at my door. And I was like, (laughs) why? And so I I I watched them. But all I saw was them walking away. So I was like, oh, great. What's happening? So I had to, like, go and check it out and turn the alarm on. Duff wasn't home. So but it was just Amazon. I have this nightmare of running out of toilet paper. Not like a not like a horrible, terrible nightmare, but like when I was a kid, my mom was not great about keeping paper products in supply. And so you would have that moment where you think you might be out of toilet paper. Or maybe you were. Mm-hmm. And so I always just make sure that we have an abundant supply of toilet paper. But now with Amazon, I mean... Sooner or later, a drone's just going to be able to bring me a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Drop it through your bathroom window. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So 
the guys are uh, busy with logistics. Luke makes an offhand comment about how he's been snapping necks and cashing checks, and it feels weird to be so productive today. So let's hope that means they're working on the road trip. I hope. And along that line, uh, I think the top story for today is that Luke is having some drama with the RV company. Um, for some reason, probably because he has a $500 credit limit, he wanted to change the reservation from a personal one to a corporate uh, so that he could use the corporate card. Is that right? Uh-huh. I kind of lost the thread on this a little bit. That's the way I heard it between the screaming in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, uh, of course, of course, yeah, of course. And I actually did, uh, I, I did, uh, had to deal with a very, very broken iPhone screen this week. Um, it wasn't technically because of this, but I'm going to blame it on this. Um, <laughs> uh, so the RV company wouldn't let him change the reservation. They would have had to like cancel it and start over and he wouldn't get a refund. Um, and so Luke wrote, wrote an email basically saying, do you know who I am, to the RV company, um, Jesus. saying that it would be mutually beneficial to that for both of them to make this change. He could give them a bunch of free advertising, and now he's refusing to say the company's name. The guy wrote back during the show and said, no, nah, we're good. This has worked for us for 40 <laughs> years. We're fine. We don't need your advertising, sir. So um, they, uh, I don't know why this means they, they, they don't want to do it, but he said, uh, maybe if you live in Seattle and you own an RV, maybe we get to borrow it. Like, they're making a plan, a new plan three days before they're going to leave. <laughs> and they discuss also the possibility that they could take one or both of their cars. Well, this right. might leave them in a real bind. I mean, if Luke... I don't know how much a deposit is for an RV, but I... I mean, it's more than five hundred dollars yeah. for the whole thing. I'm sure of it. But my other question is, who let Luke do this? <laughs> Why didn't Andrew do it? That's true. Why is Luke in charge of logistics for this? I don't know. Yeah, I. Maybe they have a joint credit card. Maybe maybe there's another way. There must be another way. There's always another way. It'll be okay, guys. I yeah, promise. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Go to the mall. Get your screens replaced. It'll be okay. Yeah. It's $29 if you have Apple Care, as I learned <laughs> this week. All right. We get an email from Alex, um, who recently drove from Houston to Big Bend National Park, which is very near Marfa, and she warned the guys that they are going to lose cell service and the roads are going to be abandoned. And again, I would cite my Marfa story that I told on the show a few weeks ago. That is definitely the case. If anything goes wrong, if they get a flat tire, they have to fix it themselves because there's literally no one around and there's no way to call anyone. So yep. this is going to make for some good stories. I'm sure of it. Uh, we also get an email from somebody who's calling themselves Burner McGee because of these wandering uh, IP ads. Um, they're starting to get some kind of ads on their Facebook page like Eyes Wide Shut Swinger Parties. And it makes him worried. Him, I assume. That's that's what I assume. Heteronormative of me. But I think he or she yeah, is assuming that their wife is having an affair. Um, and the guys give some actually good and thoughtful advice that, that the only thing to do here is to bring it up with the wife. Um, it could be absolutely nothing, um, but this person already has some suspicions. Um, there's perhaps some innocent explanations, but the only way to really um, ease his mind about this is to confront the wife. And I would agree with that. 
Me too. Yeah, and you know it's a guy because there's no way you would name a girl Burner. <laughs> okay. Good point, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to Thursday, number 2393, Control-Alt-Mouth. Uh, Bobby, you put a note here that Luke got the episode number wrong, which he Yeah, did. I played it back just to be sure. He said 2392. <laughs> I was confused for a minute. Uh, Luke is in Portland, and Andrew starts the show by saying that he is done with Kofefe, to which I said, yes, I was done with it almost instantly, and I don't yeah. find it funny at all. And I am annoyed by all the million segments on the million cable news show where they were trying to puzzle out what he meant by Kofevi. And I was like, it's pretty he obvious. He didn't mean anything. Right. Uh, He's just a dummy. 70-year-old racist rushing towards senility <laughs> fell asleep <laughs> mid-type. <laughs> yep. Uh, if and, only he wasn't president. If only he was just somebody's grandfather. Right, I'd be I'd be much more amused about the, by this whole thing. Uh, so let's see. Um, Luke starts the show with another throw your phone type story, uh, in which he was changing planes in Seattle, and he only had three minutes, if that, to make his connection to Portland, and he decided that he would not full out run, kind of half run or speed walk <laughs> because quote you can't look cool running in the airport unquote oh my god <laughs> so when time is absolutely of the essence he is too involved in his coolness factor to make a break and sprint for his airplane this is ridiculous what's more ridiculous is that he Put this back on the airline. That they should have made allowances for him. They should have known where he was and held the plane for him. I it it's like he thinks that when he gets to the airport they put a microchip on him or something. So he's like the Domino's pizza tracker that Mike alluded to yeah. once where they know where he <laughs> is in their system at all times. That's just such a foolish assumption. And uh, <clears throat> we got a great throw your phone mo moment from Megan here. Um, she says, while I love the tale of Sammy Sadsack and Peter push forward, which we'll get to in a minute, what would erstwhile therapist Lisa Weinberg say about Luke clinging to the false narrative that the airlines are going to hold an entire plane of people because he takes the risk of scheduling too tight connections? Yes, sometimes you can make a 30-minute <laughs> connection, but if you're relying on it, you're going to miss a few connections and you're going to have to run. And that's what I was thinking yeah. is if there are as many flights between Seattle and Portland a day as he says there are, why is he scheduling his flights so close together? Why not just take the next one that leaves in an hour? Yeah, exactly. I try to avoid connections at all costs, but sometimes it's unavoidable. And obviously coming from Bellingham, you know, that's another option that one of us pos posed in the chat is don't live in Bellingham where you have to take a connection every single time. Um, but uh, Southwest did this for me one time because it was their fault and then we were delayed, I don't know, two hours or something. And so they did actually hold the, the, the next flight for, for a few people who had very close connections and they held them, but they held them for, you know, a 10 minutes past the time. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot. 
Um, and I wouldn't expect that to happen. I was fully expecting to have to rebook the flight, but it was, it was a nice thing that they did. I didn't ask it. I didn't expect it. Um, but, uh, I, I'm kind of surprised Luke thinks this is what they should be doing for everybody. Right. For myself, if it comes down to having a four hour layover or having a 40 minute layover, I'm going to choose the four hour every time. Yeah. That's just the way it goes because I'm not willing. And he says something about he's missed many flights. And I was like, seriously? (laughs) I think I've missed one connection in my life. And that was, again, because of a problem with the first plane. Right. But the idea that this is just a commonplace thing. Oh, I just missed the flight. I mean, how much money does this cost him? Does he weasel into getting the airline to take care of him because he missed the flight? I think a lot of those flights are booked by other people. Yeah. Uh, so this is, you know, care. he has said, he has said things like Chicago, New York. Those are client, you know, he's going for wait, wait, or he's going for live wire. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or his, yeah. NBC stuff. Yeah. So I guess that goes to what they talk about later, where Luke says that Andrew is very careful with other people's money, with the implication being that he is not careful with other people's money. This would seem to be an example of that. But the end of the story was that he got to the gate, the door was closed, but the gate attendant said, run for it. And he ended up making the flight. And then Andrew got all concerned because there was another man there at the gate talking to the gate attendant uh, that she did not tell to run for it. And uh, Luke or Andrew is very upset. And Luke's like, whatever, let's talk about me. This story is about me, not Sammy <laughs> Sadsack. And Andrew has maybe the best line of the week when he says, I am Sammy Sadsack. <laughs> yep. I hope a new nickname is born here. That's really good. So they decide that Andrew is a Sammy Sadsack and Luke is Peter Push Forward. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfect name. (laughs) So they move on to uh, this day's installment of Road Trip Planning Talk. And Luke says he's going to buy a cooler at REI, specifically at REI, for food, for all his low-carb grinding. And then at, when they get to Austin and it's empty, he's going to pack the audio equipment in it and send that back that way. Uh, number one, why REI? Does he have Probably a... because it's fancy and he, ha- he can't do it without telling us that right. it's fancy. It's going to be an expensive cooler. I, I guess this... I an expensive know. way to ruin a bunch of expensive audio equipment on the way back. Well, I think next week I'm going to just keep my Coleman cooler full of garbage snacks in the car <laughs> and uh, we can compare experiences. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, don't you have a, a case that you put the audio equipment in and then you just check it on the flight? What's all this nonsense with a cooler? I don't know. Well, there are other things in, in play here. Doesn't the RV have a fridge? Oh, I was wondering yes. that. It should. Right? It's an RV. It's going to have a fridge. And then uh, something I mentioned in the chat earlier, which Mike has already co-opted and put on as a Facebook post. Anyone have any concerns about Luke saying that he's just going to tape up a cooler full of electronic equipment and try to ship it? <laughs> <laughs> I have concerns. <laughs> 
APM should have some concerns if it's their equipment. Uh, maybe it's just equipment that he pilfered from Cairo. And what's yeah. he going to oh, use yeah. to cushion it? Those coolers are hard-sided on the inside. He's going to need some foam or something. Why don't, don't they just use the, all the old towels that Andrew was going to throw away? <laughs> this just seems like some cockamamie idea that Luke came up with to justify buying this cooler for his snacks. This is all about his, his snacks. This is all app. about writing off that cooler on his taxes. That's true. <laughs> he's going to get a Yeti. It's going to cost like $250. <laughs> but he's going to pack it in ice when it leaves Austin, and it will still be frozen when he gets back to Bellingham. It will be. Yeah. Yep. And then is he is he going to keep the cooler for himself? He's going to write it off. Ah, that's why he's getting a nice one. Because right. he's going to take it home and right. keep it. Ha ha. Yep. <laughs> I see now. Um, Andrew talks more about what we mentioned before about how he wants to go disposable and so that he doesn't have to figure out how to wait how to get this stuff back to Seattle, but he doesn't feel really great about buying a cheap blanket from Goodwill, and I have to say, I think his instincts are right on point there. And I know that I would launder the shit out of a Goodwill blanket, but I still would mm-hmm. feel real weird about yeah. using it. Because yeah. you don't know what's happened to that blanket. <laughs> um, they talk about sleeping arrangements some more, and Luke wants the bedroom, but he's feeling really guilty about wanting the bedroom. This is He's thinking another example of he, him being a Peter push forward. He's really trying for once to not just go instinctively for what he wants and the hell with everybody else. He's trying to make sure that Andrew's okay with it, and Andrew says multiple times that he just doesn't care. And Luke's like, seriously? Seriously? It's like he wants that bedroom so desperately he can't understand that Andrew might not feel the same way. (laughs) And he wants Andrew to pinky swear that they won't let anything, quote, simmer during the road trip. So if, (laughs) if Andrew gets upset about something, he's supposed to bring it up. And they had a great comment here from Chris Hayes, who was tweeting or whatever, that he is hoping for some norovirus on the road trip hashtag content (laughs) (laughs) and uh, oh yeah one more uh, piece of uh, a throw your phone feedback from ellen who said a throw my phone moment turned into an i heart tbtl moment when andrew shouted i am sammy sad sack (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of a nice way to to turn it around that was great yeah the top story for today is Animal Talk. Carrie finally gets to come on and actually tell her story that Luke mostly told yesterday. And she answers the phone with a, hello, baby, drop that they have to play about 18 <laughs> times before they figure out what's going on. <laughs> and Luke apologizes for telling the best part of her story yesterday. And he also apologizes for saying to her this morning that, he had some sort of right to do it because he is a professional storyteller. Again, do you know who he is? <laughs> I would have drop kicked him out the front door. God. Somebody's angling for a new stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so the substance of the two stories that, that Carrie has to tell was that uh, while she was outside with Rudy, a deer came around and charged Rudy while she was holding the gate open and she wasn't sure if Rudy was going to be able to make it through the gate without the deer also getting in. But 
Uh, it all turned out very well, and the deer crashed into the gate, and then the deer menaced Rudy through the gate and the window for a while. So That's this, scary. I know this deer apparently has some problems with dogs, and uh, they say that uh, a mom deer, a deer with fawns, will have been known to stomp dogs to death. So right. I guess even if they are 80-pound Labrador <laughs> retrievers, they have to step lightly around a deer. And uh, Andrew is scared of deer, and he tells some story about deer at a lake party that freaked him out. I don't know. Uh, And now Carrie has to be really vigilant, and she's taken to doing a sweep of the area before she lets Rudy out to make sure that the deer isn't lurking. And the second animal story is so cute that Olive got stuck in her neighbor Linda's tree and... Carrie and Linda ended up making a blanket net, and then Olive actually fell off the uh, branch, and they caught her when she fell. And in a not-so-cute part, Olive ran into the house, and then she seemed really traumatized for a while, like she was panting really hard. Yeah, Carrie posted a video of all of this, and it all gave me a great deal of anxiety, and I can't even agree with you that it's cute because it made me so upset. Well, the whole... yeah. She was panting like a dog because she was probably horrified for a long time. I mean, there's not much you can do about that except what they did. I mean, they probably did the only thing they could have done, and I'm. It, but it could have easily been the end of Olive. Right. It's cute in the sense that it's a very stereotypical cat in a tree and a hang tough kind of deal. But, yeah, if if neighbor Linda had not noticed what was going on and they hadn't thought quickly enough to get the blanket, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I did have a cat. Yeah, I had a cat once who's, I didn't let him out, but his main goal in life was to sneak out of the door. So he did get out occasionally. And one time he got out and went to the neighbor's tree and he got pretty much as high up as Olive was. And uh, he wasn't acting like he wanted to get down. He wasn't really trying. Uh, he was not in da- danger of falling, but um, he we clearly couldn't have gotten him out ourselves. So I actually did call the fire department and they brought a cherry picker and got him out very stereotypically. Uh-huh. Um, so... How high can cats fall from before they start well, getting so hurt? So it's interesting thing about cats falling is they're, they they survive very high falls more than they survive not very high falls uh, because they kind of reach um, uh, terminal velocity and they, they right themselves and um, they fall uh, in such a way that, that minimizes damage to themselves. So they, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but there are there's plenty of accounts of cats living from, you know, falling from skyscrapers and things like that, mm-hmm. from people's balconies way, way, way up high. So Olive may have been okay. Um, that I just, I don't know. It just terrified me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you meant terminal velocity. <laughs> Where's the drum roll? Not the drum roll, the snare. The sad horns is what we need here. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then came what I thought was a really interesting part of the conversation where Andrew wants to know if Carrie is actually obsessed with the fidget spinner, as Luke mentioned earlier. And she says, no, I am not obsessed with the fidget spinner. I played with it a couple of times. That doesn't mean... (laughs) I love that she was it. like, your listeners may know that, that the host of the show occasionally exaggerates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And because they were in the car and she was just sitting there bored for four hours and she was messing around with it does not bring her to the level of the obsession. And so Luke is forced to kind of backtrack on the statement and he gets defensive and he says that she doesn't like things that are silly. And she says, yeah, I do. I like plenty of things that are silly. And he says, well, you just don't like my things that are silly. So I thought that was an interesting little glimpse into that relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another top story for the day is that the Mets mascot, Mr. Met, flipped off some hecklers. Uh, They debate whether it's actually a middle finger because he only has four fingers, as if that (laughs) makes a lot of difference. Which one is his middle finger, though? Exactly. (laughs) Still hold up both of them? And Luke mentions the story about how he got expelled from Jesus Creek for flipping off the eighth grade gym teacher and uh, <laughs> how that very day he was supposed to go sign the paperwork to say, I will be a good boy. And then he thought that's what was happening when he got called to the office. And then they were like, no, you're out of here. And apparently uh, Mr. Met has been suspended for some amount of time and someone else will be Uh, Mr. Met today, and then they wonder about how you can tell. Are they just saying that this person got suspended? Because (laughs) how on earth do you know that it's a different person inside the costume? (laughs) That's a good point. Does it matter that much? And then they decide to have a mascot naming quiz, which they abandon immediately because Luke realizes that he can't name any baseball team mascots other than, (laughs) like, two. And they just end up looking at the list and critiquing them. And uh, Andrew talks about how much he likes the Mariner Moose just because he got to meet it once at Cairo. And uh, I forget why Luke says he does not like the Mariner Moose, but he says that in general, mascots suck. And Andrew says, I like them. Which takes them to talk of the Kent State Golden Flashes and their mascot, Flash the Golden Eagle. And Luke says it looks too aggressive because eagles really shouldn't have teeth that they're bearing. (laughs) And that mascots shouldn't try to look tough. Uh, I work for an institution where the mascot is the Golden Gopher. So I assure you that nobody's (laughs) trying to look tough there. And they end up talking about the Wichita State Shockers. Yeah... Yikes. This is what happens when you work in an environment with a lot of work-study students. He really does the shocker, too. It's yep. so bad. Uh-huh. Oh, they oh. all do the shocker. I looked at a whole bunch of pictures, and, like, the dance team is doing it, and the cheerleaders <gasps> are doing it. It's like they've taken it back. They've taken back that hand gesture. <laughs> sure they have. <laughs> They mean something else by it. <laughs> All right. Friday, 2394, you got zerged. Um, Luke starts out the show sounding pretty rough. Um, yeah, huh? I was trying to invent stories in my mind about why he sounded like that. And I was like, well, it's got to be drinking. And he's in Portland, so it's got to be live wire related. So either he ran into some listeners or what it actually was, was uh, one free drink on Livewire's tab probably followed by several more on his own tab, Mm -hmm. celebrating the end of the season of Livewire. It's fine. He can write them off on his taxes. (laughs) I don't see those receipts. I don't see how he thinks that Livewire is going to throw some big open bar shindig at the end of their season. I mean, he does realize this is public radio, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When I left Buffalo, uh, 
I was in the development department at the Buffalo Philharmonic, and they threw me a going away party, and my boss was great. She took us all down, the whole office, down to a little bar down the street that we hung out in a lot, our sort of regular watering hole. Uh, Gabriel's Gate in Buffalo, if anyone's interested, best chicken wings in Buffalo. Ignore everything you've heard about the places that have been on TV. And they have a little back room, and she rented it. Not rented it out. It's not that big of a deal. But they put some food in there for us, and they ran a tab for us for a couple hours. Uh, Rather than just giving everyone a free drink, she gave them her company credit card and said, yeah, yeah, just a couple hours. It'll be fine. After I left, I heard later that because of the bill from that party, rules were created about not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like a bad idea. Uh, They move on to talk about Price is Right. Um, Apparently there's a a guy who recently won $31,000 on the game of Plinko, which seems like a uh, pretty unlikely... uh, series of wins where they mm-hmm. all landed on thousand dollars was it a thousand or was it ten thousand uh, ten three of them landed on ten three of them would have had to have landed on ten to get that much money right um andrew makes the objectively false claim that plinko is the worst <laughs> game on prices right uh luke thinks it's the best because it's purely a game of chance and he loves games of chance um and then they wonder about the, the prices of the items on Prices Right and how uh, they seem very off to them. Although Andrew didn't know that pecans were expensive, so I don't know. Um, but it's true. You know, I used to watch this when I was homesick from school, and I would have no idea how much floor wax was. It may as well have been $80. <laughs> I, I think the Prices Right is kind of like being good at crossword puzzles, though. It's a combination of having a lot of knowledge about weird things and then having some understanding of how crossword puzzles work. Because Mm -hmm. crossword puzzles aren't about being smart as much as they're about kind of knowing what kind of words fit where and Mm -hmm. how the way a question's written can help you figure out the answer. Um, If you watch enough prices right, you're going to know what kind of things to expect and how much inflation to inspect expected and like those kinds of weird items they like there's always going to be a weird dinette set sure right you know? and you have to understand how they're trying to trick you right yeah and and just because i'm an adult doesn't mean that i'm going to understand how much the the patio set and grill is going to cost any more than a right. kid would well and, and and we did get some feedback from our friend don hafner and she says Throw your phone moment. It's called The Price is Right. Every game involves guesstimating the price of goods and travel without going over. That is the whole point of the game. (laughs) Andrew likes the games that depend less on guessing prices. Yeah. Um, Speaking of prices, I already mentioned that uh, Andrew has a whole thing about nuts. He was uh, shopping for his usual mixed nuts, but he thought there weren't enough pecans, so he bought just plain pecans, and they ended up being nine ninety nine. Um, why is he surprised by that? I, I don't these things know. aren't cheap at all. <laughs> uh, they learn that Bob Barker is indeed alive, and he was born in Darrington, Washington. Uh, Luke played those guys in high school basketball, uh, and this is where we talk about. Um, how Andrew is more careful with other people's money and generous with his own. Right. Uh, the term skin flint got used way too many times for my level of comfort in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Luke just kept saying skin flint. Yeah. Which 
uh, and then at one point, I believe he said something about the amount of flint on that skin. Like he reversed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he gets mad about uh, the whole tonic and gin line. Right. Right. But he's going to say flint on the skin. Uh, We get a mini story about Luke's friend who was driving them, but just stopped the car in the middle of the road, pretended to be out of gas because he didn't feel like taking them without getting gas money. What a dick move. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what friends. Um, And along those lines, Andrew is doing some consulting work and he seems to think he shouldn't be getting paid for it. It's almost like he doesn't think it's worth it. Right. He doesn't think he's worth it. He also doesn't want the pressure of knowing that this is a paying gig. And so he's got to actually do some prep work. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? This seems like classic Andrew to me, but I'm also sad that it's classic Andrew because he deserves to be paid for his time. Yeah, I I feel a little bit the same as him on this. I don't know that my problems are wrapped up so much in the self-esteem because I know that I do good work and would deserve to be paid for it. But I would have no idea how to go about negotiating for the money, like where to oh, start, what to ask for, how to approach it. I just that is the thing that would be so overwhelming to me that I would be like, I'll just I'll just do it for free. It's no big deal. I Rather would, than have to deal I would with probably, that. I would probably ask a friend who does a lot of consulting work, Luke, and maybe try to get their perspective on what would be reasonable. But instead, Luke just tells him a story about how a guy offered him $1,500 and he wanted 2000 which was already an absurd amount to begin with. Right. But he was wondering if he could milk him for a little bit more. Well, he says he, he knows he could have, but he chose not to. What a good guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do a lot of random freelance work, and I bill probably less than what I should for most of it because usually I'm doing something for a group or a person who I feel like helping uh, and I, I want to do it, but you have to bill because it puts a value in what you're doing. We use the same argument in my day job with whether or not we should sell tickets to a concert versus making it a free concert. And the reason we say, you know, we shouldn't just make all our concerts free isn't just because we need the money. Ticket sales are a really small part of a lot of arts groups' budgets. Um, But there's an intrinsic value that is imbued on what you're offering if there is a cost of admission. And if you are giving it away for free, it makes people question the validity of your uh, of your offering. And so even if Andrew is completely uh, not confident of what he has to offer, if they're asking for his wisdom, it's got to be something worth at least something, mm-hmm. uh, some token amount. And even if he just wants to say, hey, can you throw me, you know, a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks for an afternoon or whatever, or or some hourly rate or, or just a meeting session fee. Uh, and, and Luke makes a really good point. It also means for them when they take it to their colleagues and hires up and say, well, we talked to this person, you know, he's, he's official. He's legitimate. It mm-hmm. just legitimizes him. Right. He, he got to do something. Right. So that it's hired not just a like, consultant. Yeah. Hey, I had some beers with this guy or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going in the office, it's a fee. If you're having a conversation over drinks, it's not. That's it. Yeah. 
Um, we also get a story uh, when Luke was on Rewind and they were about to lose all their funding and the show was winding down. They hired a consultant at the end of the week. The guy was like, yeah, you're doing all right. Why don't you just keep doing what you're doing? And that's what happened to Rewind. Power out. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Uh, Luke's Facebook troubles continue. He is uh, deactivated again by Facebook under the name of Eagle Soar and not really ex- uh, accepted into the Stens page because we didn't really know who he was. Yeah. I think this was passed around a little bit of like, do you think this is actually Luke or is this somebody trying to make a joke? Well, yeah, the first time we thought it might be a joke. And then the second time I sent the account a message and I just said... I'm 95% this is either, sure, it's either you or a 10 who thinks they're funny. Either way, come on in. We'll see what happens. But then they were deleted again. <laughs> then they were deleted, yeah. He needs to just use his name. I, d- I don't know why he's so against that. Yeah. Um, he is very irritated that Facebook, he's suddenly realizing, all all they want is our data so they can monetize it. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> they don't care about our genuine human connections. <laughs> Gee, Luke, you mean this completely free service that you signed up for actually wants to monetize and get some benefit from your data? You don't say. Andrew suggests Slack, but I really don't see how that would work at all to Uh -uh. to achieve what Luke is after. Because you don't get a bunch of adulation and likes on Slack. Slack is for sharing Mm -hmm. and discussing with the team. And also, yeah, no fitness tracking apps. He doesn't want uh, us to know how slow he is at running. So he wants to know that he ran, <laughs> right. but he doesn't want us to know how good or bad he is at it because he's still kind of vulnerable feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dazzling donor for today is Rico, um, who offers to be their nutritionist and will somehow cure their body shame. And to that, I say, good luck to you, madam, because I don't <laughs> think that's ever going to... And then what will happen to TBTL? I mean, that's 50% of the content is what they're eating and what they feel bad about for themselves. Yeah, it would get really boring really fast. Yeah. Uh, Top story for today is uh, the list of 50 best TV theme songs that Paste Magazine has come out with. And they start with number 50 as Rockford Files. uh, And they kind of shit all over that one. Uh, and then they do the WKRP Cincinnati theme song, um, Veronica Mars, Scrubs, Weeds, Welcome Back, Cotter. Some good ones in there. Um, but, uh, you know, they kind of already did this show, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was the their own personal top five TV theme songs. I, I don't yeah, see where the when value they did is. Why It Matters. Yeah. The, I don't see where the value is in, in reading somebody else's list of top TV theme songs. Uh, and that was an episode that was inspired by Christy Wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's a favorite of both me and Christy. And we have hashed this out on LRB before. Too. Right. I do agree that the Sanford and Sons song is great. That's one of my top ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just recently started watching uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I do love, love, love that theme song. Too. Oh, my God. It's so good. I look forward to that every mm-hmm. time. I never get tired of it. And the backstory that they kind of wink in at it later mm-hmm. on is so great. Yeah. Uh, I was amused that they were trying to get to the name Rizzoli and Isles, which is the <laughs> Cagney and Lacey-esque <laughs> TNT. <laughs> call it Rosetta and Stone. <laughs> that was terrific. I did have similar feelings to Andrew about the MASH theme song. My dad used to like 
watching MASH, and I didn't understand it. I was too young to understand what they were even doing in this place. I didn't know they were in Vietnam. I didn't know it was a war. I mean, I get, I got that it was a war, but I didn't know why or what it was about. And the theme song sounded very sad to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the song is called Suicide is Painless. It's yep. sad. It is sad. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I think they, they talk about this a little bit on, if I remember correctly, that episode of TBTL from years ago. God, that was June 2011. Wow. I have it in front of me now. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, and I'll put our episode also in the show notes. Uh, there we go. Make a note of that because that's a lot for the show notes. Um, uh, Taxi was the same way. Yeah, the, I love the right. Taxi theme song. Right, but it's so not what the show is. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't listen to the MASH theme song and be like, I'm about to watch a comedy. Yeah, you know? exactly. I do have one question about this for you guys. When they were counting down to the number one and there was the big anticipation of what it was going to be, did you have a guess in your mind? Uh, no, because um, it's, I, I looked ahead. Ah, oh, <laughs> I know. It's usually Cheers. I mean, Cheers usually wins that stuff or Welcome Back, Cotter. So I kind of suspected it was Cheers since we already had Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. Uh, I had a hope that it was going to be different strokes. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I wanted Cheers to, to be the, the great American superhero. I think that's the best TV theme song, even though it was only on for one show, one season. Great, greatest American hero. Yeah. That's uh-huh. awesome. Yep. All right. If we have anything else for the week, I will move on to music for your weekend. Sounds like Eddie wants us to be done with this show. Um, Luke brings us uh, super defense sinking. Uh, it's it's a bunch of teenagers. He doesn't understand what core they're in. Are they super cool or super not cool? He can't tell. I hope they find out about this. I hope this is the next little hoagie. <laughs> um, and Andrew brings us Lil Wayne. Can't stop, won't stop, but then he does stop because he begins with a great deal of profanity. Um, and then listener Alicia brings us Lord Huron with The Night We Met off the 13 Reasons Why soundtrack. And I still am going back and forth about watching that show. It seems a little upsetting, and I'm not sure I want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. But it sounds like the soundtrack is great. It was a good song. Yeah. Uh, and with that, uh, I'll do a little housekeeping. The merch is in the merch store. And uh, if you want to see it, uh, I think, Meredith, that great picture of – your merch laid out with Eddie and the bull penis. And mm-hmm. I thought that hit a few different yeah. uh, LRB yeah. milestones there. Yeah. I'm going to mention it here so that you guys take a look at today's show picture. If you want to see what all that merch looks like laid out in real life, uh, there's your opportunity. We'll make sure that that's out there. And uh, you also get a little Eddie out of it. So everybody wins. Uh, Archive project is rolling on. Our latest raffle winner was announced on the Friday show and it's, the one and only grumpy old liberal Bob Stein. <laughs> you know, the way we talk about it, sometimes it would sound like we only have like four or five listeners. We just happened to name check a core group today, but we love all of you. I promise Bob Stein, the latest winner, uh, Amazon link. Like I said, Chris Hayes book or anything else. Little by Bamaga.com slash Amazon. We get a few cents. Doesn't cost you anything. Uh, just a little bit of that sweet, sweet Amazon profit margin that comes back to us. Uh, and we were talking about Mita earlier. Uh, this has come up a couple of times recently. If you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you are eligible to six months free of Washington Post online and digital. So mm-hmm. that's how I did it after the election. 
So, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> Go get your six months of, uh, of Washington Post with Prime uh, and appreciate the fact that he uh, owns both the Washington Post and Amazon. Earbuds and earworms. If I read correctly, they are exploring funeral songs, songs that you'd want played at your funeral this week. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's particularly intriguing, right? I mean, I could think about it. I probably should have submitted something. Uh, oh, well. But uh, listen for that. Uh, keep sending us your favorite LRB moments for Best of Show 2017. They can't all just be Anne telling us to sit on the seat. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I mean, they could be. It's, It'd be a good it's show. It's already on the list, guys. <laughs> and uh, things are going to get a, get a little loopy for our schedule for the next few shows. Some of you who pay closer attention might realize that even though it doesn't always sound like it, we follow a pretty precise schedule for how the Friday shows especially roll out. Uh, but with Austin coming up and several LRB hosts going to Austin and me sitting here being pissed that I can't go to Austin for work commitments next weekend – and um, me being sitting in the Dominican Republic on a sandy beach, being pissed that I'm not stuffed in a hot <laughs> barbecue yeah. joint with all you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. not your, not your at the life op- is so sad. Not at the <laughs> other end of a fart locker tour. Right. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be mixing things up for the next couple of weeks. You're going to keep getting shows from us on Fridays and Mondays, uh, but it it might be a little pushed around uh, so that we can make the most of the opportunities of this trip. So just stay with us. Every Friday and Monday. And if you're usually only a Friday or only a Monday listener, pull them all into your feed for the next couple of weeks because it's all going to be a little special. You can find all of that and more at littleredbandwagon.com, on Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon, and at the Stens page, the show Twitter's LRB podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemails and texts always welcome at 802 432 TBTL. That's 802 432 8285. And with that, Meredith. Why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. Oh, I hadn't expected to be last. Let me see if I can clap without it hurting. Nailed it. I am Sammy Sadsack. I am Sammy Sadsack. <laughs>